everyone. Thank you for joining us today. My name is Megan Moritz and joining me today we have Scott Gould. We're going to be talking with Scott who will be presenting at a member only speaker series. And Scott, welcome. Thank you for talking to me today. Thank you for having me, Megan. And um, hello, Isaka. I'm glad to uh, be connecting with you all. So the name of the session that you're going to be giving is The Three Keys to Engaging People. Um, and when mm -hmm. I first read that, I was like, does that mean how to engage people? Or it's the three keys of people who are engaged. Um, so why don't you, uh, I know you've written books on this. You're a speaker, obviously, a subject matter expert. So how did this whole idea of engagement come to be in your life? Uh you know, there are loads of people out there who are always kind of asking themselves, you know, how do I get more engagement or, you know, how, you know, we need people to engage, you know, why won't people engage? And we kind of, you know, throw this word around a lot. And I was just really curious about what made people engage for a long time. Um, I've been blogging about it and writing about it. And then some years ago, when I left my former career, I used to be a church minister, which isn't common. And um, I went into consultancy and I was like, right, what am I going to talk about? And I really found that the word engagement described what I had done as a church minister, but also what I'd done as an event organizer. I used to run business conferences. I used to be a creative director, even in one of my hobbies, which is coding. I like coding as a hobby. All of this was like around how do we engage? So I think that kind of really got me interested in it and then released a book in 2017. And uh, here we are in 2023 and uh, still talking about the subject. And so when um, very personal question for me here is when you talk about engagement, um, it means so many things, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. When you think about it, how would you define engagement? You're right. That's part of the problem of engagement, right? Because we can talk about we are engaging somebody on social media. You know, my post got lots of engagement, which kind of feels like kind of like here. And then someone else can say, I got engaged to be married, which kind of feels a little bit more important. And, and then kind of somewhere in the middle, we might have, you know, oh, I'm really engaged in Star Wars or I'm really engaged in this series. And so what do we mean? And so my definition is that engagement is simply togetherness. Engagement is just togetherness. And if something's more engaging, then we're more together with it. And if something is less engaging, we're less together with it. Right? And that's kind of pretty simple definition. It goes a bit deeper because there are kind of three places where we can be together. We can be together in the head, which is I mentally and cognitively am together with you, which really means I understand you. Um, so I'm looking at you right now and by your eyes, I can tell and you're nodding. I can kind of, I can tell, all right, you kind of understand me. If you didn't understand me, you kind of be like, you know, kind of pulling these types of faces. Yeah, like, very good, Megan. So one, the first form of engagement is like head engagement, like mentally, I understand. The second form of engagement is then hands or it's like bodily. It's when you are engaged in an activity, like um, if somebody's surfing, they're like really engaged in surfing. But that's different from being engaged mentally and understanding something. So like the first one is more like marketing and the second one is more behavioral. And then the third form of engagement is engaged in the heart, which is to say something engages you at a very deep personal um, level. And, um, you know, that's, you know, the, the idea would be I'm very engaged by my wife, even though she's not here, I'm not with her, I'm not thinking about her, I have a depth of engagement with her. So those are the kind of three levels of engagement we can think about head, hands and heart, you know, are we together in the head, together in the hands, or are we together in the heart. I love the together in the heart piece. Um, yeah, and it's a nice thought. Huh? <laughs> it, it is, it is. And I think that, you know, especially now, the engagement 
this kind of engagement, right, this digital engagement versus somebody sitting next to me um, can be a challenge. And so mm. have you found any ways to really be able to make the connection virtually um, versus in person? Because it's just such a different experience. Yeah. And you're bang on, right, is this now we'd call this digital engagement. And if somebody was there, we'd consider it to be, you know, an in-person engagement. And what we mean there, the difference is the context. But what's really liberating is when you understand engagement as a psychological construct, you know that actually we engage with everything in the same way. It's not like there's a digital part of my brain and a physical part of my brain. It's not like there is a customer part of my brain that works differently and then an employee part of my brain that works differently, right? So if somebody... Uh, home says something to you and you don't get it you don't understand it whereas if your boss shouts it at you at work it's not like you magically magically understand it now because it's an employee context you know you're still <laughs> going to struggle so to help with the digital engagement i've actually got a really handy analogy right here is um when we engage in person it's it's like spraying ourselves with perfume do you see this little perfume mm -hmm. thing here and i don't know about you megan um, but when I spray myself, I'm like, you know, I'm all over the place, you know, on the arms and all this stuff. And I really, really go for it. And that's that's like in oh, that smells really good as well. That's in-person engagement. So in-person engagement is there are so many senses that we pick up on. We can be very liberal with the way that we engage. Virtual engagement, digital engagement is like this. It's the little miniature version. Do you see the, the see the difference in size? I've got the miniature version here. This is the travel size, the one that you pick up at the airport, you know, when you've been on like a six hour flight and you're a bit smelly. And yeah, you got it. The way you use it, Megan, is you very carefully place it on your, your uh, arteries so that it helps the smell. Because there's such a little amount, you have to be very careful with how you use it. And it's the same between virtual or digital and in-person. In-person engagement, our five senses are fully at work. Okay. And people are big in front of us and their sound is full. When we engage virtually, like right now, you are tiny on my screen, right? And your sound is limited to the sound capacity of my headphones and I can't smell you, which to be honest, you look amazing. So you probably smell great, but that's gonna be a problem. And actually humans, we deduct a lot through smell, right? Subconsciously. Um, you know, taste will be impacted and touch and so forth. You know, we're not hugging and all of that stuff, which, you know, we do and is a really important part of our lives. So the difference is that with virtual engagement, it's not we have to do anything different. We just have to be far more specific. Okay. So you might notice right now, anyone watching this might notice, I am being quite big in my gestures. I'm elevating my voice. Um, I'm kind of making my eyes quite big when I want to make a point. Um, I've got all these things behind me, which help people realize something about me i mean that's why actually it's a big mistake to do the whole blurred background thing the green screen background it's such a big mistake because you're taking away the cues that people use to work something out about you so that's like I, <laughs> sorry i'm I, talking um, over you no 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 you're not at all actually i was going to ask when we were setting up and i noticed your background um have you read all of the books behind you most of them these are all books on engagement um and I mean, it, yeah, it's pretty hefty. Um, wow. It's pretty hefty. Yeah, yeah there's a lot on there. Um, but that's it, is you seeing that immediately makes you go, oh, that's something about Scott. Because you can't see anything else about me, really. You can see I'm wearing a navy shirt, right? So this is why when we engage virtually, we need to do things that help the engagement happen. Because when we engage in person, all those things that help us are present. 
Um, I think the other thing is when we engage in person, we rely a lot on things happening automatically, which works because we spray so much. There's so much sense going on. But when we do right. this, you often find out actually people don't know how to engage unless they just over spray. So it's about learning very specific questions. So here's a good one. Here's, here's a great one for anyone who's listening. At the beginning of a meeting saying, what is our purpose today? When you meet in person, generally that question comes up. When you engage digitally, notice how rarely somebody says, this is what I want to discuss today. Yeah, even when you get a meeting um, invite, right? There's rarely an agenda. There's just like the information, quick meetup or something. It doesn't say, what are we going to accomplish? What are we going to do today? Um, and Although, that can be problematic. Well, an Isaka taught me something. So actually, Joshua Belts, the wonder kid, um, he, when he sent over... Um, when he sent over the invite, um, in there is an agenda. For this meeting right now, we have an agenda. And it's in the meeting invite, which is so handy. Because you're right, normally we don't do this. So actually there are all these little tricks. And it's not that you're doing anything you wouldn't do in person, you're just doing it really specifically. Anyway, I think they've given yeah. you like a five minute answer to a two minute question there. But I trust this is valuable for somebody listening today. No, it's all good because I keep looking at the questions and I'm like, oh, he's answering this. This is good. Um, so what what questions early on when you first started to go into this engagement area of focus, um, what questions were you asking early on about engagement uh, what, when you first started? When I first started, what was I asking about engagement? When I first started, I was perplexed and I still am by trying to understand what stages do we humans go through in order to get to a deep level of engagement? Like, and can you predict it? And then the other thing I was always asking myself is what instantly engages people? Like, what can you do that 90% of the time will instantly engage the person you're speaking to? I was and? really curious about that. Did you and come up with an answer? I did. Oh, okay. Did. And to hear the answer, you need to join me at the ah, webinar. Ah, <laughs> see? Oh, no, no. I tell nice tease. No, it's good. No, it's good tease, but I'll give, I'll give this one away. I'll give this one away. Um, imagine you, so here's a little thought experiment. Imagine you're walking down the street of a country where they don't speak your mother tongue. Yeah, so let's say hard. you're walking down. Okay, let, well, let's, I don't know. Let, let's say you're walking through Japan. I'm assuming here you don't speak Japanese, right? So, I mean, or, or Spain is the example I normally use. But anyway, so you're walking down the street, right? And you're in a country where they don't speak your language and everyone around you is speaking a different language. And then all of a sudden you hear somebody speak in your language. What does your head do? Oh, to immediately like, oh, who's that person? Yeah. They'll understand me. How can I yeah. talk to them? Yeah, yes, exactly. And notice that your head, do you decide to turn your head? No, it just happens. Ah, it just happens. Yeah. So this is this is the idea that people connect instantly through commonality. The more in, in, in a context where there is greater lack of commonality, something that has a small degree of commonality immediately connects you. Have you noticed that you even turn your head, you don't even know what they've said, you just know they're speaking your intonation pattern of your mother tongue. So I know somebody's speaking in English. In fact, I can walk down the street and I know that's an American. Don't hear what they said, I just heard it was an American. And that's a Brit because they sound pissed off. <laughs> like you really know it's a Brit kind of like grumpy and they generally don't look very attractive to me honest. us Brits aren't didn't, didn't kind of work out the best on the on the whole beauty lottery um so what will happen is you you'll hear it and you just know it immediately so this is humans connect through commonality because when you have commonality immediately I feel safe I mean that's an evolutionary mechanism 
So one of the ways that I use this, and again, anyone here who works internationally can use this. If I meet someone from a different country, and particularly if I'm on stage speaking at an event in a different country, the very first words out of my mouth will be their language, not mine. Really? Yeah. And what do you think the audience does? Oh, they're immediately like, oh, he he did something to engage me, right? He he did. Immedi yeah, immediately I've connected in commonality and I've shown. Consciously, they know it. Subconsciously, they let their guard down. They're more open to what I have to say. So let's say you are rolling out an initiative, right, in your organization and you need people to engage with it. It's like the first thing you do is you don't stand up and say, let me tell you about my thing. You say, hey, I notice X about you. I notice Y. Let me point out this. Let me point out that. Let me build some commonality between us. Then you can go into speaking about what you want to talk about. And then you, everyone's walls have dropped down and they will listen to you and they'll engage with you very, very easily compared to it being an uphill battle. Do you think it is, generally speaking, easy for people to engage? Or do you think it's something that uh, most people struggle with? Yeah, that's a really good question. There is a lot of research around, are some people more disposed to be more engaging? Um, anyone who's studied psychology and uh, will know the idea of like trait versus state. So like trait is, uh, trait engagement is somebody is more prone to being engaging or trait depression is somebody's brain is more prone to being depressed. There are There is research that shows some people are more trait engagement, particularly people who are more extroverted and so forth, but it's still, I think, yes, you might have those skills that help you, but then those people might also end up being quite shallow. And people will say, oh, I can't stand those conversations about the weather. Well, that's a very British thing, isn't it? Let's talk about the weather. Um, or talking about, you know, the sports team of the day or talking about them nuggets that got into the NBA finals. Somebody would rather be talking about something deeper, like, you know, what, what's your sense of meaning in life? And introverts generally are better at going deeper. So actually, they're both good at engaging. It's just which type of engagement are we looking at here? I think actually anybody can be engaging because engagement actually, the myth is that engagement's about personality, but I don't think it is. And for an organization, the myth is it's about personality, as in if our initiative isn't really cool and really exciting, or if I don't talk in a way that gets people really excited, they won't care. And I think that's true. Actually, I think generally people who will engage if you just make things clear and you make things have some commonality and you make things simple enough to engage with. So like take a big change management program. You don't need to have a snazzy name and have a big launch party. If you can actually just make it, hey, here's what we're doing. This is why it's meaningful. And here's what I want you to do. Most people actually end up engaging with that. So that's again, long answer to a short question, but actually I think you can see there's, there's some nuances that normally we, we miss here. And when I know your focus of your uh, member only speaker series is going to be very focused on organizations and business and mm -hmm. engaging in that way, but on a personal level, um, what are some of the things that we might be able to do in our, just our own lives to not only be engaging, but like approachable engaging, right? You don't want to feel that you're that stuffy, oh God, I don't want to talk to you. But what are some of the things that we might be able to do? Personal. You know, I mean, it's a really great question, Megan. It's the stuff we tell our kids, right? That we end up then not doing. Like when you greet someone, just smile. Hi. Um, I tell you what, the number of people that I meet on Zoom calls, right? And they don't greet everybody in the room.
I mean, like, it's not hard. Hi. I don't know you. What's your name? Like you started talking to me earlier when we met and I said, sorry, Meg. I, I said, sorry, I just don't actually know your name. Would you mind telling me your name? And, and how many people do we just kind of go for weeks or months without even knowing their names? Like it's really quite basic. Another one is, hi, how are you? Um, but then beyond that, certainly there can be some things around just being mindful about listening. I'm talking a lot right now. Okay. I'm the interviewee. Sure. But I can end up talking a lot. So sometimes I really have to just remind myself, slow down and listen. Right. That's another one. Um, and I think another key one is generally assume the best of people. Um, generally assume that people aren't idiots and they're not trying to get in your way. And actually everyone's just generally trying to kind of live the best life they know how. That generally goes a long way. Um, I, th I think the final one is I don't know if you've ever been on a form of public transport and no one talks to each other. And then something something funny happens and everyone starts talking to each other. And everyone was just waiting for something to happen that meant that we could talk to each other. Most people are waiting for people to talk to them and will gladly talk back if you are the one to break the ice. It's just that generally we're a little bit too nervous to do it. And I try every day to kind of be a bit more courageous, but it's hard. Okay, so strange question um the the airpod thing right the white little headphones that people wear mm. so when they have them in right and they're walking yeah. down the street or they're know, at yeah. dinner and have them in like does that mean don't engage with me does that mean they can hear you and they what is that signal because to me i have such a hard time with like if i'm out cutting my grass or whatever and i have headphones in fine like that's that's one thing but to be out and just have them in i feel like it kind of puts you in this the veil over your face of like, oh, I don't want somebody to talk to me. Yeah. In in startup world, in the tech startup world, there is a thing that if I've got my headphones on, it means I'm plugged in. It means I'm working and I'm focusing. And I, OK, I understand at work. Yes, there is a thing around focusing. But actually, very often we use these gadgets or somebody holding their phone like this. We use these gadgets to make ourselves not appear like we're by ourselves when we are. And it's almost like a, it's like a wall. It's a protection. You know, people who wear sunglasses, it's just a way of protecting me from you a little bit. So I have this or I have these in my ear and it just makes me protected from the fact that if I didn't have them in and no one spoke to me, I maybe would feel rejected. This is a fascinating thing, Megan social pain is felt in our brains like physical pain. Which is why, you know, when you're in those conversations, I had one this week that is like really uncomfortable and you literally are squirming, wanting to get out of that conversation. It's because your amygdala is actually going pain, pain, pain. Somebody's attacking me, attacking, 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 but you're not, but you feel it. So we wear these things. These are like hedgehog spikes to protect us from the pain of rejection. Mm. Huh. Okay, that was my biggest takeaway from this particular conversation. Um. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean look, just just, just small example. If you go to a conference, all right, or you're running an event and you see people walking around, they give people stuff at the door to carry and people will walk around and they will hold it. And, they will, and notice how they'll do this. Ladies with handbags, not down by the side, but they'll hold them. You know when a lady holds her handbag up higher rather than down? jet bag across you notice the way people have got these little boundaries and it's a way of just creating this little like cushion of 
if no one talks to me and I can kind of, then it kind of protects me a bit. And then you notice when people open up, we put their handbag down. We don't, we don't even just like loosen it. We sometimes put it down. People say, oh, let me put my things down. Watch the way people in a room gather and the way they drop their things and stuff comes out and everything. Amazing. The digital version of this is camera off. Oh, okay. And is there a time where it's okay to have your camera off? Or are you like camera on all the time? I don't care how you look. I want the camera on. Camera, camera off. You can have the camera off if you've both, if the people in the meeting agree that it can be a camera off meeting. And I think that's perfectly acceptable. Although you might as well just make that a phone call, which I think is quite good and go for a walk. Because when you walk, your brain gets more creative and you get exercise. But when the cameras are off, then they should be on. I had a client recently, they said to me, Scott, how on earth do we get everyone to turn their cameras on? I said, have you tried asking them? <laughs> yeah, and asked. asking is very different than demanding, like turn your cameras on, like that's different than, hey, would you mind turning your camera on, please? I'd like to see you. I'd like to, you know, make make sure that you're part of the conversation and be able to see your reactions. Um, yeah, I, I'm even more direct. I say, oh. if you're able, I'd like you to turn your cameras on and I would like your full contribution today, please. That's good. That is good. And, and I've said, if you're able, so if they're not able, no shame. Right. And my expectation is I want your contribution. There's an inverse correlation between groupthink and number of people that speak. More people that contribute to a meeting, generally the more effective meetings will be. And I, um, I was going to, to close with this question, but uh, you've given so many little insights and tidbits <laughs> that um, I was going to say, what is like one thing that you hope people will take away from the, the speaker series that you'll be doing? But I already have so many takeaways. So is there something yeah. that like something extra people will get by attending the member one? Say yes, of yeah. course. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm, I spoke some years ago at the Business Continuity Institute, which is not dissimilar to ISACA in, in, some, in some, some respects. And their whole thing is helping organizations uh, with their business continuity and resilience plans. And they got this whole textbook on everything you have to do to plan it. And then they've got one page that talks about how to engage people in the plan. And it's like, that's actually the most important part, isn't it? <laughs> Engaging people in the resilience plan. And I'm hoping that people will come away and that they will go, right, if I need to engage somebody in a policy or a change or a strategy that I want to implement, there are three, and these are the three keys. We're gonna look at the three key things that you need to do to get people to engage in the right order, do the right thing, and that it will demystify for you all of the confusion around what do we do? How do we engage? I'm just looking to take a massive weight off people's minds and go, you know, it's easy, it's easy as ABC, one, two, three. Awesome. Um, well, Scott, it has been a an absolute pleasure talking with you today. It's been it's been, it's been a blast. It has. It has been a lot of fun. Um, and I want to thank our listeners, obviously, for joining us. And make sure you register for the member-exclusive speaker series. You can do that by going to isaka.org. If you're not yet an ISACA member, please join so that you can take advantage of things like the member-exclusive speaker series. Until next time, thank you for joining us for this ISACA podcast. <laughs>